preach tonight after watching what God has done through the ministry of our young people, through the ministry of Brother Wright. Uh, just I, I have looked over that, and I'll tell you, it's, it's kind of hard preaching the Wednesday after youth week. It's a little difficult, so I'm going to do my best. But if I had, if somebody said, Brandon, what do you think your preaching does best? And I'm not trying to be arrogant, but if somebody asked me that question, I think I'd like it to be known that I want to take the Word of God and I want to make it as simple as possible. I don't want to dumb it down. That's not what I mean. But I believe that we need to take the Word of God at face value, and if it says it, then we need to believe it, and we need to do it. And there has been something on my mind for a little bit, and it's a very deep subject. And to be honest, I could probably spend uh, uh, days preaching and, and teaching and delving in, but I just don't feel uh, like I want to make it all that difficult. I want to just make it as simple as possible. Sunday night before church, my mind was, was kind of wandering and going various directions and places. And I knew I was going to preach Wednesday night. And, 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 you know, I just kind of in my pre-service prayer and pre-service thinking, I said, Lord, you know, where, what, what do you want me to preach? What do you want me to bring? And, and uh, I carry my little black book where I, you'll see me write down notes and, and, and verses that, that God puts. And I've had things in there for quite a, a while. And I'll go back and peruse them. And, and the Lord very simply just kept leading me to this topic tonight. And so last Sunday night before church started, I kind of felt I knew the direction. And then Brother Wright gets up and preaches and just kind of preached all over it. And so I figure I'm going to keep doing it and I'm going to keep preaching it. And I think God's trying to get a message to us for you and I. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of John chapter 5. And uh, I'm I'm purposely not going to try to get too deep. I'm going to just read the word, we're going to talk a little bit about it, and I want you just to see how it all fits together, because I'm convinced that you and I are living in the the, the times of the greatest revival that God is ever going to bring to this world. Right now is the moment that that God desires to uh, pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. And I've heard lots of people say, man, I wish I could go back to... To, to Paul and Peter's day I wish I could go back and see that And I guess that'd be fun to go see But to be honest I'd prefer not to be boiled in oil three times And shipwrecked three times And stoned a few times And, and some of them sawed asunder So I'll be quite content to stay right here in 2019 Where I can preach the word of God And, and to be honest I don't have any fear of preaching the word of God right now I, I, I've never feared for my life I've never once been told to, to put up or shut up Or to to quit preaching the gospel. So I'm going to enjoy the freedom that God has given us right now in our communities, in our nation, and I'm going to take advantage of it, and I'm going to keep preaching, and I'm going to keep believing that God is pouring out His Spirit. And we're seeing that. I mean, my goodness, we've had, I, I think it's seven that got the Holy Ghost this week. We're, we're, we're going to have one get baptized. Some absolutely incredible miracles. Can I just be, I'm going to be as, 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 as simple and as blunt as I can be. If you've ever prayed, God, I want to see the miraculous. 
You have seen it over this last week. And if you don't recognize that, quit asking God to show you the miracles. I mean, yeah, I'd love to see someone just keel over dead and, you know, one of us walk over there and pray for him and they pop back up. That'd be awesome to see. I'd love to see blinded eyes open. But, but if that's your definition of the miraculous, you're kind of, uh, it's just kind of pointless. When, what we have seen with the miraculous healing of Brother Keith Perryman, just almost an instantaneous release of pain and, 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 and all of that, and then just the, the healing and continual healing of Sister uh, Perryman, and then uh, the, the incredible test that came back where, on, on Andrew, right? Okay, I got it right this time. On Andrew. Uh, you heard, if you weren't here, you need to go back and listen to the at least the opening of Sunday night. Brother Andrew gave his testimony. And, and please, one of you, one of the marks, if I'm wrong, tell me. But they had, the doctors have said you will always have those clots in your lungs. You'll never get rid of them. Never. And they go and have a test. I believe it was Friday. Go and have a test, fully expecting them to say, yeah, exactly what we said is happening. But they showed you two uh, I guess MRIs or CAT scans, and there are no blood clots in his lungs. That 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 goes beyond what the doctor says is possible. That that walks into the divine. That walks into the miraculous. You are standing and being a part of God's miraculous work right now. What a time we had last night! If you weren't able to come to our prayer meeting last night, for whatever reason, you missed it. Even if it was, even if if you were having to work and you couldn't have been here, I'm still going to tell you, you missed it. We had a great group uh, of people that gathered here and uh, we started, I just kind of uh, began to talk a little bit and brought out the book of Acts chapter 2 at the end. Uh, this is what they did after a great revival. They kept reading the word, they kept being in the word, they kept fellowshipping, they kept coming to church, they kept praying, they kept helping one another and that's the, 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 the thing that I said. This is what we need to keep doing. We keep being in the word and then we took some praise reports, and we heard a few praise reports, and one of the praise reports was for uh, Bridget. Bridget is uh, Sister Betty Harding's uh, niece, and she has been diagnosed with cancer, and we have prayed for her over the last few months, maybe longer, and uh, it, it's it's pretty dire. The, 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 the doctors have said there's really nothing they can do. In fact, as of uh, Sunday night, that was the last report of the doctors. There's nothing we can do, absolutely nothing we can do. Bridget and Sister Harding wanted us to pray, and so Sister Harding put her own uh, FaceTime and, and videoed while we prayed over a prayer cloth and, and, and prayed for her. And then uh, at the end of that, I, I, I went over and put my arm around Sister Betty and, and turned the camera where I could see Bridget. And I said, Bridget, I said, I believe with everything in me that we are operating in a miraculous moment where God says all of those things you read about, why don't you actually put them to practice? You shall pray for the sick and they shall recover. You shall lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. Call for the elder of the church, anoint with oil, all of those things. And I said, Bridget, God is going to do something incredible for you. Sister Harding testified, I think it was you or was it your husband? Our brother, brother Tom testified last night. That, that after the doctors have said there's nothing more they can do, for some strange reason, they've decided there is something they can do. And she's having surgery, I think, on Monday, I believe. And so I think the Hardings may be gone this, this uh, Sunday, and they're going to go take some prayer cloths, be with her. Can I tell you, that's just one way God says, doctors, you don't know it all. 
You don't have a clue. And I believe that, and, and, I, and I believe it. I hope you do too. So I want to invite you to join with my expectation that we're going to hear some praise reports coming from Bridget. That Bridget's going to be able to say, I, 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 I was dying, but God gave me back my life. The doctor said the cancer had racked my body, but God said he's in control. And I've watched him heal my dad of cancer, and so I, I can stand confidently and say he's a cancer healing God. We're living in an awesome time. And, and as I, I kind of said, uh, we've all said it at some point in our life, Lord, I want to I see that old-time religion. I want to see that old-fashioned revival. I want to see that, that, that just miraculous. Well, we're seeing a part of it. At least this last week, we had some long church. So those of you that want to go back to the old days, that's what it had been like. Be here for, for, for three hours, and man, I, I loved what God was doing. Sister Jill? Hallelujah. For those of you just to kind of put the, the where it's at, uh, uh, last night at prayer, Sister Jill was talking about one of her co-workers that she works with. Uh, her co-worker's husband, uh, Chuck, has cancer, right? Is that... Oh, congestive heart failure and in and, and, and dire need. And so we prayed for Chuck last night. I think he even got a prayer cloth, I believe. Or, But you have it. Absolutely, and, and here's what God's doing. Miraculous things, miraculous things. And so I have been thinking about this. What does it mean to pray for the sick? What does it mean to have that, that unction and that revival? And the word that keeps coming back to me is authority, authority. And I want to take a little journey through the word of God tonight, and I want to show you how the authority flows and how we can take authority over the sick. We can take authority over the situations. And God does the miraculous. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to the book of John chapter 5. And, and I want to just kind of walk through a few things and show you how this authority is. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, and the Aramaic called Bethesda, which had five roofed columnades, or some would say porches, if you will. And in these, those five uh, porches or columnades, think of a kind of an amphitheater with, 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 with tiered levels. In those were all manner of multitude of invalids, blind and lame and paralyzed, and one man who was there, had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time, he said unto him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered and said, I have no man to put me in the water when the pool, into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm trying to get there, someone, uh, another steps in before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed. He took up his bed and he walked. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a miracle. Brother Zane, would you find me a bottle of water or a cup of water, please? That's a miracle. And so, so he, he, he took him up by his bed and he walked, and that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath, and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. 
Now, I'm not going to preach about this, but I got a whole other message I'm working on about how many times the Jews and the Pharisees did not want God to move at their church services. They would, they would, Jesus would walk into the, the temple, cast out a demon, heal a withered hand, and they would get so mad that a miracle happened during church. Please don't let Lighthouse become like that. Anytime God wants to step in and deliver and set free and move and heal, I'm perfectly okay with that. But can you imagine going up to this man who uh, the Bible seems to indicate perhaps even for 38 years he's been an invalid and paralyzed. And, and then the, the, the preachers, if you will, get mad because he took up their bed and they say, you know what, you're not allowed to take up your bed. I'm pretty sure he looked at them just as dumbfounded as could be and he said, I don't really care what you think. I've been laying down for 38 years and I don't care if it's Sabbath or not. I'm going to take up my bed and I'm going to walk. But I love the response. The response of the man, he said this, uh, verse 11 of John chapter 5. But he answered them, the man who healed me, the man who healed me, the man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man that said to you, take up your bed and walk? And the man who had been healed did not even know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn and there was a crowd there. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and he said, hey, I see you're well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. And the man went away and he told the Jews it was Jesus that healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting, persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And Jesus answered them, and here's one of the keys. This is where I, I want you to begin to think. Jesus began to answer them, and he said, My father is working until now, and I am working. And this is why the Jews wanted to kill him, verse uh, 18. They were seeking all the more to kill him, not only because he was breaking the Sabbath, but because he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now, those of you that have been around, you know we did a, a, a sermon a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, about who God is. And we uh, made sure, we were very clear, go read Galatians, go read Colossians. And it tells us that Jesus is the image of an invisible God. He's the revelation of a God who was unseeable, un, hardly untouchable, all power. And, and God decides to reveal himself. That's why it can be said that Jesus was equal to God. A son is not equal to the father unless they're the same. And so it is that God revealed himself. And they were trying to figure out how in the world could Jesus do this. Jesus looks at them and he says, well, this is verse 19. Verily, verily, I say unto you that the son can do nothing of his own accord, but what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him that you may marvel. And, and so basically what Jesus is saying, because they are looking upon a human, they, they are seeing someone that looks just like them, you know, two eyes, one nose, two ears, hair, and five fingers on each hand and they're seeing humanity it's hard for them to envision the divine that's within it's hard for them to to see that human named Jesus and he's trying to explain to them what you're seeing is just the express revelation of this one that is forever and always he says it's not me doing it 
If I could, if I could paraphrase a little bit, and 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 he he would hold out his hands and he would say, "It's not these hands that are able to heal; these are just human hands." Jesus says. But what there is, the Bible says the fullness of the Godhead dwelled bodily in Christ Jesus. What he was saying is, I am doing the work of the one there. I'm just showing you what God wants to do. And, and, and you are seeing God at work. I am working with the authority of Jehovah. Now that's why it messes them up because you can't say that uh, without also saying I, I am Jehovah. And later on Jesus made that statement. He said, I am. And they ripped their hair out and ripped their clothes off because they were, were that, that was blasphemy for man to ever be equal with God. But they couldn't see what God was doing. It was authority. It was authority. Let's, let's, let's look at, at, at Luke chapter 4. Would you turn over to Luke chapter 4? I, I just want to set the stage and then we're going to kind of pull it all together. Luke chapter 4 and verse 31 He goes down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he's teaching on the Sabbath day. They were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. Here's the reason why. When Jesus would get out those scrolls, I don't know if you've ever been to a synagogue, but I've had the privilege of being at a few, and it's pretty cool to watch the the, the rabbis. They will go and they they will get the scrolls and they'll enroll them, and then they'll read the scrolls. But when Jesus would read the scrolls, he wasn't just reading the scrolls. In fact, if I could take you back to earlier in Jesus' ministry, he read the scrolls. He read from Isaiah, and then he rolled them back up, and he said, Today this has been fulfilled in your midst. Because he wasn't just reading about God. He wasn't just reading about the things. He was literally speaking and saying, This is what it's all about. He spoke with authority. No one else could say what he could say. They were astonished at his teaching, verse 32 of Luke 4. His word possessed authority. In the synagogue, there was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with us, Jesus? And when he rebuked him, he said, Be silent, come out of him. And the demon had thrown him down in the mist, and he came out of him, having done him no more harm. And they were all amazed and said one to another, What is this word? Now watch how they put it. With what authority, with what power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. There was authority when Jesus spoke. But Tom, can you put this a little bit in the monitors if you don't mind? There was authority when Jesus would uh, begin to preach. In verse 5, he would, he, he would cleanse the lepers and he would heal the paralytic man. And, 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 and uh, that's the one where they pour, pulled off the the the. the, the tiles on the roof and they brought him down and Jesus said thy sins be forgiven and of course they how in the world could someone ever forgive sin and he knew what they were thinking because he's also God he knew what they were thinking and he said well if you think that's something how about this rise and walk and he takes him by the hand and the paralytic man begins to walk and they're astounded and his point is if you think that's good if you think the miracle of a lame man walking Let me tell you the greatest miracle when I can forgive sins and remit sins. He had authority. When he spoke, something always happened. There is not one place in the word of God that you will find that Jesus spoke and it did not come to pass. 
You will never find a place where he placed himself and he looked at a demon and said, come out. And the demon laughed and said, I don't have to. You'll never find one place where, where Jesus ever, ever said to someone, you're healed, and it didn't come to pass. Why? Because all, the Bible says, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto him. That's his own word. He had authority. But then something began to happen. I want to invite you to Matthew chapter 10. Something began to take place in all of this. In Matthew chapter 10, there is a subtle shift that begins to take place. He called to him his 12 disciples. And watch the words. And he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. And then it goes on to Naaman. I, I could take you, and, and, and I'm going to just kind of keep flipping back. I, let, let's, let's look at Mark chapter 3. I just want you to see the words that are being used. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. And he went up to the mountain, and he called to them, to, to him whom he desired, and they came, and he appointed them twelve, so they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. Mark chapter 6, it says he called the twelve, began to send them out two by two. He gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He said, uh, uh, you know, proclaim to the, that the people should repent. They cast out demons. They anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. He was giving them authority. Mark chapter 10, let's go a little bit further. Mark chapter 10 and... and uh, Well, not Mark chapter 10. I wrote it down wrong. I have to figure out where I'm at. <clears throat> I don't know. But one of those places right there, the Bible says he appointed 70. When he appointed the 70. So, so now we're past just the 12 disciples. It'd be easy to sit back and say, well, see, there were these, there were these 12 disciples. And, and they were God's chosen, and, and, and there's never going to be another one of those 12. But now Jesus begins to expand, and wherever I'm trying to read from, I'm not exactly sure where I'm at, but it, it's somewhere that I was reading. But uh, he, he appointed 70, and I like what he said. He, he told them to go before him to the places he was about to go. He said, I want you to go and prepare him because Jesus is coming. And he'd go to those cities, and the same thing would begin to happen. They came back, and they began to shout, and they said, Lord, even the demons, even the devils were subject unto us. Why? Because he gave them authority. He gave them authority. And then we begin to look at the last words of Jesus, and I, I want to take this journey. Go to Matthew chapter 28. It's just 11 disciples for right now. Judas has already done his deed and, and hung himself and so the eleven are in Galilee they go to the mountain they see him, they worship him, some doubt but Jesus came and said unto them all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me go therefore make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded and behold I am with you even unto the ends of the age authority look at Mark chapter 16 these are the last words of Jesus. Mark chapter 16, he appeared unto the 11 disciples as they were reclining at a table. He rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of their heart. 
because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said unto them, Go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Who doesn't believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany, these signs will follow those that believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll If they pick up serpents with their hands, they, if they drink any deadly poison, it won't hurt them. If they, they will lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. These are the last words of Jesus as he was transferring. He said, I'm going to give you that same authority. We can even look. It's not quite the same as Matthew and Mark, but look at the end of Luke. You can look at Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 and I like at the very at the, at the very end he said he said these are the words that I spoken to you while I was with you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled he opened their minds to understand the scriptures but it's that it's verse 49 he says but I am sending the promise of my father upon you stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high and then he goes away and then you would turn the page John doesn't record those last words the same as as the, the, the first three gospels but you would turn the page from the gospels to Acts and they're there in that upper room and they're waiting they're waiting for that promise that he promised. He said, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you an advocate. I, I'm not going to leave you. Even though you're watching me ascend back into heaven, I'm not going to leave you alone. I will come to you. I will be there. You will recognize it. What you feel will be very real. It will be very uh, uh, familiar to you. And there in the upper room on that day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, when they were all there. In fact, let me back up and, 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 and quote Jesus. Jesus told them, he said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, what did he say? But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now I guess someone could say, well, maybe he's still talking to the disciples, but there was there was perhaps hundreds on top of that mountain. We know 120 went into the upper room. We know there was 120 that were there for that initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But I think we need to take Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and we need to connect it to Acts chapter 2, verse 39. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. You, you, you'll, 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 in my name, you'll cast out demons. You'll heal the sick. You'll pray for the sick. They'll recover. If you, if you accidentally drink a deadly thing, if you pick up a serpent like Paul does on the island of Malta, it's not going to kill you. Why? Because God's given you authority. You'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But look at Acts chapter 2, verse 39. And that promise is unto you and to your children and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The promise of God's uh, uh, authority that he has given to his people is not reserved just for Peter and Paul. It's not reserved just for Matthew and Mark. It's not reserved just for those in the book of Acts. But he said, I want to allow every one of my believers to have that power and that authority. The Holy Ghost is not just to pick me up. The Holy Ghost is not something that gets you to heaven alone. But there's something God wants to do in his church. He says for the grace things than I have done shall you see and do so let's look at some practical teaching Acts chapter 5 I'm 
sorry, let's back up to Acts chapter 3. Peter and, and John, I don't know exactly how many days or hours have passed from the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost to this, but I'm guessing, Brother Don, it wasn't very long. It could have been the very next day for all I know. Peter and John begin to walk in the temple because that's what they did. They said, hey, we had a great revival, but we're going back to church. And so they walked into the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, that's about 3 p.m., and there was a man who was lame from his mother's womb. They laid him daily at the gate called Beautiful there at the temple, and he would ask for alms. It was perhaps the only way that he made a living, and whatever little uh, donations that he scrounged up begging would, would get him a little more food to last Seeing John and Peter about to go into the temple, he asked to receive something and Peter directed his gaze at him and as did John and said to the man, look at us. That man fixed his attention on Peter and John and he expected to receive something from them and Peter said, but silver and gold have I none. I don't have really anything that will help you in the in the moment, in the, you know, kind of to, I, I don't have any money that I can, I can give you right now. But what I do have, something far greater. What I do have is more than just a few little pennies or shekels that might get you another hamburger at McDonald's. And, and, and it, it's kind of, it re, really it reminds me of what Jesus said to the woman at the well. She came and she wanted a drink. She needed some water. And Jesus said, I, I can give you something that you can drink of and never thirst again. Peter and John said, I, I may not be able to satisfy your immediate, you know, need that you think you have, but I've got something that will change your life. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong, and leaping he stood, began to walk. He entered into the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. Now, I, I preached in my, in my uh, ignorance, I have preached how Peter and John must have felt when that miracle happened, but really you got to understand Peter and John probably had already seen some of those miracles. They had already been released by Jesus in the gospel. They had already laid their hands on the sick and they shall recover. This was nothing new. Then, as was prone to happen, those in the temple got mad. How dare a miracle happen in church? And they begin to say, and I love how Peter and John answered them. They said, let me tell you how this happened. Verse 16, it's his name and faith in his name that made this man strong whom you now see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Later on, they asked him, by what power, by what authority did you do this? And he said, let it be known unto you all. This is chapter 4. Let it be known unto you all and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, it's by him that this man is standing before you. This Jesus, he's the one. There's no other name given among heaven, um, uh, given uh, uh, under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. There's only one name. They begin to realize, they begin to act on the authority that God had given the authority. I'd like to tell you tonight that there's, there's two 
ways you look at that authority. Number one, you look at the authority of God's word. The Bible says it this way, that God's word will not return void unto you. God's word doesn't lie. God's word doesn't play cement, semantics and it, it doesn't try to, you know, speak and double talk. If the Bible says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you need to just chalk it down. That promise is for you. If the Bible says you can pray for the sick and they shall be healed, I believe and, and, and firmly believe that the Bible is not mincing words. That's what it says. And so you have the authority of God's word. That's why I have made it my life's purpose to know his word. Jesus was in temptations. He would quote the word of God, and I think we must do the same. I get really frustrated when I see people preach and they don't use the word of God. That bothers me. I'd rather you not hear the words of Brandon, but if you hear the words of God Almighty, I'd much prefer you to hear the verses that I quote and the verses that I reference than any of my own commentary. And I'm thankful for God giving me a mind that can comprehend and can help break it down and understand. But at the end of the day, it's not the authority of Brandon Buford. It's not the authority of you. It's the authority of God's Word. God's Word says... Pray for the sick, they shall recover. God's word says anoint them with oil. God's word says that you can cast out devils. God's word says you have power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then the second thing, and they're both one and the same, but just so you can understand it, the second thing is the authority of Jesus' name. Now, this is where I think too many times we get just a little messed up because if we're not careful we let Jesus name become like ab abracadabra supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and maybe you've not done this maybe I'm the only ignorant person that's ever done it where you think you can just invoke that name like some mystical incantation and the smoke and all that begins to happen and God begins to work but God is not bound by us and it's not just the name see I think we, we, we've got to realize that this authority of Jesus name is not an incantation it's what does do you get when you have faith in Jesus you ever been in, in, in somewhere, and I'm, I've, I've racked my mind all day trying to figure out a good way to explain this, and, and I don't know, but, you know, there, there's just, you know, there's times where maybe your kids are fighting, and they're going back and forth, and one of them says, I'm going to go tell mom, and then everything calms down because they invoke, I know mom's not a name, but you get it, you know, they invoked mom. Have you ever been someplace, and everything's going good, and then there's a name that's invoked, and it kind of just, everybody goes up, mm-hmm. I know what that name represents. I know what happens if mom walks into the room. I, I know what happens if, if the boss comes down. I, I know what happens if they get involved. They invoke the name because it, it's, not the, it, it's not the name as an incantation. It's who that name represents. And if you use uh, uh, Peter's 
teaching in, 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 in there in Acts chapter uh, uh, 3 and 4, then the key is this, faith in Jesus Christ. Faith. Because there's been a lot of times that I have prayed in Jesus' name, but to be honest, and I made this statement before, and and, and the more I, I think about it, the more I mull over it, the more I'm convinced it's right. I've had those moments where you say, I, I know in, in my mind, I know God can heal. But then you give this little caveat, I just don't think he's, he can or he's ready to heal me. You with me? I believe he can heal. I just don't think. I don't. I, I'm too far gone. I'm, it's not going to work. And, and that, that lack of faith begins to override anything else you say because if you don't have that 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 overarching faith of Jesus Christ then you have nothing because it's not an incantation that you can just speak faith without works is dead and and I I I think that many times the reason we don't see the miracles we want to see, number one, is just bottom line, we don't believe. The reason we don't see the miracles that we've heard about in other places and other times boils down to one very simple thing, we don't believe. But when your faith begins to rise to the place, where you say, God, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt you are able. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have all power in heaven and earth. And whatever is going on, whatever sickness, whatever disease, whatever circumstance, whatever trial, when you begin to let your faith rise to the place where you know God can, will, and, and does, then you also need to understand that God has given you and I authority to not just pray, God, would you maybe please do it? Or God, perhaps if you're willing would you do it but when I look at the old or the New Testament and I look at the Gospels I don't see these weak prayers of God if you will if you may if you can but I watch them mesh their faith with that authority and they say God I know you can and I know your word your word said we pray for the sick and they shall recover and so Lord when I pray may I always pray in the authority of the word and in the authority of Jesus name God, do what you said you were going to do. When you begin to pray, <coughs> excuse me, in that authority, then I believe something happens. What we're seeing right now in the fabric of the lighthouse is very first and foremost, you've allowed your faith to rise. That's why God blesses and heals and the, the book of John there, there's there, the, the gospels are broken up into two different categories the first three gospels they're, they're, they're very much historical uh, explanations of what Jesus did they kind of lay it out in a linear format and you're, it's a historical but then you have John and John's a little bit different gospel John is not so much uh, compelled to tell everything in a linear format. Sometimes he gets his stories out of order because John is more concerned about showing you that Jesus can. And one of the things in John that you're going to see over and over is it's a sign. 
that's a sign. The miracles that John chooses to highlight were, were miracles that, that highlighted something about Jesus, about his authority. And I believe that it still happens today. I believe that, that, that God helps our faith because maybe you need something in your life but he'll let you see him moving in somebody else's life so that your faith can rise because you cannot operate in that authority if you don't have faith. And what you are seeing in the lighthouse right now is a increase of faith. You've heard me say, and again, I quote from the Bible, Lord, I believe, but help mine unbelief. I believe that's what the centurion said. I believe, but help mine unbelief. But I can stand here today and over the last month or so here at the lighthouse I can say Lord I believe because you are doing it you are seeing it do you have any idea how easy it is to, to, to pray and, and I don't mean this in any arrogance I don't mean this in any to pat me on the back that's not what it is but you, know, you know how easy it is to pray right now Brother Harold after what God's been doing could it be that that verse of the Bible says you have not because you ask not. I think we've started asking and we've started allowing our faith and the word to mesh and when the faith meshes with the word you begin to realize God has given the church authority authority book of Ephesians chapter 3 says now unto him that is able to do far abundantly more than we can ask or think according to the power at work within us I, I told you I, I just I just want to take the word at face value I realize there's theological aspects of that but it's not just a, a distant God out there somewhere that, that, that we can say oh God do the work but he says it's according to the power at work within us. Where does that come from? Book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. You shall receive power if the Holy Ghost come over. It's all of those last words of Jesus throughout the Gospels. This is what you're going to do. He goes on to say, Paul says there in, in, in Ephesians, he says, you know, it's, it's, it's one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one God who is over all, through all and in all. That omniscient, omnipresent God, the Bible says the fullness of Him dwelled bodily in Christ Jesus. And Jesus said, there'll be a day coming very soon that even though you won't see me walking beside you, but I will come again. He said, that comforter whom the Father sends in my name, he's now in you. Jesus in you. That's why a Holy Ghost-filled apostolic can pray for the sick and they recover. It's not you that does it. it. There ain't nothing about you that can do anything. I don't 
care how many people you blow on and slap your hand on their forehead. I don't care how many people you pray for. The moment you think you did anything is the moment you'll never see it happen again. Either that or the devil will step in and turn it into a lie. You'll be so far out on left field you won't know what ends up. But when you say, it's not I, Christ in me. And Lord, you said in your word that these things, these signs shall follow them that believe. Can I tell you, Lighthouse is entering into a brand new dimension. Lighthouse is entering into a moment that you've been praying for and fasting for and seeking for. And you need to just allow God to move through it might be through, and Sister Jill, she gave some, some testimonies last night. It might be through talking to the co-worker on the, the next desk over and just telling them when they talk about their husband that's sick, telling them, but I've got a God that can heal. Do you believe? Yes, I believe. Then in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. I wonder if we could stand today. It's, it, it, it's simple. I, I would be the first to tell you that Perhaps the, the doing it's a lot harder than saying it. I'm, I'm with you there. You're not going to be able to live your life any way you want to live and then hope in the moment of, 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 of clarity that you can somehow begin to pray and God hear you. I think there's a whole lot to be said about walking with God and a relationship with God and walking in the Spirit and and. and making sure your your prayers are answered and, and, and by the way I could take a whole nother side of this and I don't have I, I'm running out of time but I could take you from the Old Testament to the New Testament and show you why your prayers aren't answered there's some verses that tell you the reason your prayers aren't answered is because you're sinning and if there's iniquity there God's not bound to answer any of your prayers I could talk about that I could go to the book of James. You ask because you ask amiss. There's a wrong way that you're asking. So there is a lot that, that depends on your relationship with God. But if you'll walk with God day in and day out, not just when you need Him right then. It's, it's, the Bible says, you know, that, that, that these that, that the, the disciples said, how, how come we couldn't cast them out? And God said, sometimes these things come by prayer and fasting. Um, it doesn't work where you need a healing and so you pray three days before you need a healing. There's something to be said about living a life that's that's just kind of consistent, even if you don't need anything right there. So that when you are in need, you're not having to reconnect to God. You're there right then, right there. And he said you can pray. And when you pray, you pray in the authority of the word and you pray in the authority of his name. And the way you do that is and, 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 and is not just saying that, I pray in the authority of the, and of the Word, but the way you do that is you pray the Word. Lord, you said, we pray for the sick and they shall recover. So God, I'm doing what you've taught me to do. But Lord, I know you're the one that heals. You're the one that delivers. All power in heaven and earth is given unto you. You are the one. And so I pray in Jesus' name, do said you were going to do. I wonder if we could lift our hands for just a moment. And I wonder if you could pray. Say, God, lead me and help me to walk in the authority that you give me.